My name's Ellis White. I am the pastor of weekend services here at Chapel Hill. We are wrapping up this weekend a three-week celebration of what God has already been doing through our Beyond These Walls initiative. If you're new around here or you just want a little recap, two years ago, we shared with you this vision that we believe God had given the leaders of this church, that we as a church felt like we needed to move beyond these walls like we'd never done before. Loving our neighbor, making disciples, and sending leaders. And we believe that in order to do this, God was calling us to pay off the remaining debt on our property and then take the money that we've been sending every month towards these mortgage payments and turn it around and use it for these Beyond These Walls initiatives. And over the last few weeks, you've been hearing some updates about how God is already ahead of us on these initiatives. We don't have that money until the debt is paid off, but God has already been stirring and working and moving in ways in our church. Two weeks ago, you heard from Pastor Mark about this Loving Our Neighbor initiative, our relationship with Fish Food Bank was one of the highlights of that week. We got to hear from Ron and Jan Cohen and hear about how we, once we've paid off our debt, are going to make a $100,000 lead gift to their building campaign. Last week, you heard from pastors Megan and Larry about the Making Disciples initiative, how in just under a year from now, we will have launched a church plant in Port Orchard to make disciples of the more than 70% of people who've not been reached with the gospel there And this week, I get to share with you about sending leaders. And you've already heard from some of them this morning, including Eric and some of the others who have been sharing and hosting the service. And God has really been going ahead of us in this for many, many years. We've already sent out over 20 missionaries around the world, and we've sent 16 pastors into the church. And to be honest, we haven't even really been trying. If you've been around for a few years, then you'll remember Pastor Jeremy Vaccaro. He was an executive pastor here at Chapel Hill. Well, he is now pastoring down at First Pres in Fresno. And an exciting piece of news, last weekend he graduated with his PhD in organizational leadership. Don't those kids look a lot bigger than you remember them? Oh my goodness. It's people like Jeremy, people who've been a part of this church, who've been grown and nurtured within this community that we've been able to send out to make an impact in places all around the country and and all around the world. It's people like Jeremy that we feel called to invest in even more intentionally as we step into the future. And the reason we want to invest in this way is because we believe that God uses small beginnings to create great endings. And Jesus believed that too. We're going to look at a story today from Mark's gospel where Jesus tells us about small beginnings resulting in great endings. So we're in Mark chapter 4 verse 30. It's going to be on the screens. You're welcome to follow along in your Bibles as well. Mark 4 verse 30. Just reading a few verses here. Jesus said, with what can we compare the kingdom of God or what parable shall we use for it? It is like a grain of mustard seed, which when sown on the ground is the smallest of all the seeds on earth. Yet when it is sown, it grows up and becomes larger than all the garden plants and puts out large branches so that the birds of the air can make nests in its shade. God uses small beginnings to create great endings. Jesus in this story 
tells about a mustard seed. And he's probably talking about a black mustard seed like this. I, I got some off Amazon because I really wanted to look at them. In fact, we've got a bunch. We're going to pass them around now so that you can take, take a look at them. If you want to grab one, you're free to. I think I have like 20,000, so there's plenty to go around. Um, but if you can see up there just how small it is, that, that ruler, that's, that's in centimeters, by the way. That's what the rest of the world uses to measure distance. So they're about one millimeter in diameter. That's like a 25th of an inch. So this, this is a small beginning. Jesus is talking about something that starts very, very, very small. And in fact, Jesus is, is likely telling this story because many people thought that his ministry was small and insignificant. Now you might go, well, how could they think that? I mean, the guy was incredible. Well, Part of what we need to understand is that the world in which he came into had some expectations about who Jesus was claiming to be. See, Jesus was claiming to be the one who was ushering in the reign of the kingdom of God. And the Jews at that time had some expectations about what it would look like when God's kingdom came to reign on earth. They expected that that God would come in great power and great might. That God would come and bring judgment on the nations surrounding Israel. That he would release his people from the political oppression that they were under. And Jesus came along and he didn't do any of these things. His beginning was, was very small and insignificant by the standards with which he was being judged. And so Jesus tells this story about a small mustard seed. A small beginning. It actually reminds me of an Eddie Murphy movie called Coming to America. Now you're going to have to go with me here a little bit. And if, I'll be honest, if you haven't seen it, don't bother. It's not that great. Eddie Murphy plays Prince Akeem. He's an African prince of a, of a large kingdom, very wealthy, powerful kingdom in Africa. And he needs to find a wife. And he has his choice of women in Africa. They're falling at his feet. But he doesn't want someone who wants to marry him because he's the prince. He wants someone to marry him because he's Akeem. And so he decides he's going to find a wife who really loves him. Who has intelligence. Who's strong-willed. And where's he going to find a wife like that? New York City. And so he comes to New York City and he comes in disguise. He pretends to be a regular guy. He actually ends up working in a fast food chain. Now, go with me here. Jesus, just like Prince Akeem, is the heir to a kingdom. But Jesus is the heir to the greatest kingdom that ever has been, the kingdom of God, the most powerful kingdom in existence. And Jesus has huge amounts of power and might and authority at his fingertips. He could call down judgment upon any nation that he wanted to. And yet when Jesus came to earth, he came like a regular guy. He came in disguise. Maybe if he'd have come today, he'd have worked in McDonald's. I don't know. But Jesus came in a way that was not what people had expected. And yet, he showed us in his human form 
what it really was to love others. He showed us a unique way to be a human being. He showed us what it was to serve people, to demonstrate love through action and word. He healed people. He released people from bondage. He did indeed usher in the reign of the kingdom of God, but the kingdom of God didn't come anything like what these other people were expecting. The kingdom of God started out very, very, very small, just like this mustard seed. The smallest of all the seeds, Jesus says. And yet, Jesus goes on to say, when it is sown, it grows up and becomes larger than all of the other garden plants. Although Jesus' ministry is small, it will become something huge. Have a look at what this tiny little mustard seed grows into. This is the mustard seed plant. It's, it's about eight feet tall from something a 25th of an inch in diameter. It's huge. This plant's native to the Middle East, but this photo is from California. Someone introduced it in California, and it literally spread all across the state. Grew up like weeds everywhere. There is so much power and potential packed in one of these mustard seeds. And in the same way, Jesus says, his ministry might be beginning small, but it is going to have a great, big, huge ending. And 2,000 years later, we can see that is the case. One man's ministry has had an impact upon more people than anyone else's. And note what Jesus says at the end of the passage about this plant that's going to grow up. This plant is going to put out large branches so that the birds of the air can make nests in its shade. What's significant about the birds of the air? Well, birds are intelligent. They don't make nests in a place that they think is dangerous. They try to choose the safest place they can to make their nest because that's a very fragile and vulnerable place for their young, for the eggs that they're going to lay, for the babies that are going to hatch. They're going to have to leave them and go and get food and come back. It needs to be a safe place. And Jesus is saying that when the kingdom of God grows up and flourishes, it's not going to be a place that brings judgment and condemnation on the earth. It's going to be a place of safety and refuge, a place where the lost and the hurting and the hungry and those who need healing can find what they are looking for. This is the sort of kingdom that Jesus is going to build. It's going to start small, but it's going to have a great ending. Now, this idea of of small beginnings and great endings, I don't think it just applies to Jesus' ministry. I think we have seen this written out in the lives of men and women down the centuries. Men and women who, who had small beginnings, and yet they were planted and they grew and they blossomed into plants that provided shelter and refuge for many, many people. In the early 1730s, there were three young men, students, at the University of Oxford who gathered together and they formed a club meeting in one of their rooms. And they called this club the Holy Club because they wanted to pursue 
holiness in a, in a time of great moral and spiritual darkness. It was, it was actually a time of great skepticism and spiritual indifference. It was a time when the liberty that people had had, had degenerated into a license to do whatever they wanted. It sounds remarkably like the world in which we now live. And these three mustard seeds, these three men got together and they formed this group. And over time, more and more people were added to their number. Until in the late 1730s, New Year's Day, 1739, they were gathered together and this happened, in their own words. About three in the morning, as we were continuing in prayer. You get that? They had been continuing in prayer until three in the morning. I mean, these guys were pursuing holiness. About three in the morning, the power of God came mightily upon us. In so much that many cried out for exceeding joy. And many fell to the ground overcome by the power of God. As soon as we recovered a little from that awe and amazement at the presence of his majesty. We broke out with one voice. We praise thee O God. We acknowledge thee to be the Lord. On that day the fire of God was lit in their lives. And the way that these three men have shaped the cultural landscape of the Western world is unimaginable. From these three men stem the entire Methodist church movement, which has spread all over the world. From these three men stem over 6,500 hymns, many of which we still sing today. Hark the herald angels, oh for a thousand tongues to sing. And from these three men stem the largest revival movement in American history, the First Great Awakening, in which hundreds of thousands of people made professions of faith in Jesus Christ in the, in the 18th century. It literally laid the spiritual foundations for the formation of this nation. These three mustard seeds who started out in a student room in Oxford, pursuing holiness together, impacted the world in an unimaginable way. And you might know their names. John Wesley, his brother Charles Wesley, and George Whitfield. If you're young, if you're a student, if, if you wonder, could God really do something with my life? I want you to know he can. With one mustard seed, there is amazing potential. Amazing potential to impact this world. Have a look at a, a story of Albert another mustard Nathan seed. Albert was a farmer. When he was 24 years old, Albert came to faith in Jesus at a church service in a nearby town. He was so full of excitement and passion that he filled a truck with friends and took them to the next service to hear the gospel as he had. There was a farmer's teenage son who Albert was especially keen to get to the service, but the young man was hard to persuade. He was much too busy falling in and out of love with different girls, so it's safe to say that he wasn't particularly attracted to Christianity. But Albert Mamakin had an idea, and he managed to persuade the young guy to come to church by asking him to drive the truck. When they arrived, Albert's guest decided to go in, and was, in his own words, spellbound. He went back again and again, until one night he went to the front of the meeting to pray and gave his life to Jesus Christ. The year was 1934. Since that day, Albert's guest has spoken in person to over 210 million people about the Christian faith, more than anyone else in human history. He has become the friend and confidant of 10 American presidents and has spoken about Jesus to almost half the world's population by radio and TV. The man's name is Billy Graham.
Albert McMakin saw potential in one mustard seed, a young farmer's boy. He saw what could become. And don't believe that, that you have to be young for God to use you. In 1949, on the island of Lewis and Harris, the largest island of the Outer Hebrides, off the northwest coast of Scotland, lived two elderly women, the Smith sisters, Peggy Smith, aged 84 and blind, and Christine Smith, aged 82 and and bent over double with arthritis. Neither woman could make it to church, and yet they still spent day and night in prayer, praying that God would bring revival to the village they lived in, the village of Barvas. These two mustard seeds, they prayed every day for the, by name for the people who lived in the cottages down the streets of their village. They longed for a new visitation of God's Spirit in their community. And they claimed the promises of God, the prophecies of God for their town. Prophecies like this one in Isaiah, where God says, I will pour water on the thirsty land and streams on the dry ground. They claim that promise day after day and night after night for their village. Until one morning, Peggy had a vision. She had a vision of the churches packed with people. Many of those people were young people. And she had a vision of the lamb sitting on the throne with the keys of the kingdom of heaven in his hands. And she called the local minister and she said to him, revival is coming. Call together the elders and deacons for special times of preparing for the revival of God, waiting for him to come. Over the next three years, revival swept through not only that village, but the entire island of Lewis and Harris. The churches were filled, filled with young people. There's a a story of one night when a hundred young people were gathered together for a dance. And they were expecting to spend their evening dancing the night away. But in the middle of that evening, the music stopped all of a sudden, unexpectedly. And one by one, every single one of them made their way over to the church where there was a revival service taking place. And they joined the hundreds of others of people who were giving their lives to God as he brought his power on earth. The man who was used to to preach in this revival, he estimates that over 75% of those who were converted were not converted at the revival meetings but on the way to the revival meetings. They literally showed up having already repented and given their life to Jesus. So strong was the Spirit of God at work in that community. That is the power of revival prayer. That is what God can do with two mustard seeds who can't even leave their house and make it to church. Two women who people might have called too old to be used by God. God uses small beginnings to create great endings. And I think the question we need to wrestle with is, can we see that potential? Can we see that potential in our lives? Can we see that potential in the lives of others? When we look at a young student, is that what we see? When we look at an elderly woman, is that what we see? Do we see a mustard seed that's packed with potential to be used by God to bless people? Turn to the person sitting next to you in the pew. Look at them. Look at them in the eyes. 
I want you to say to them, I see potential in you. Say it. I see potential in you. Say it like you believe it. Say it like you mean it. I see potential in you. We all have that potential inside of us. No matter how old you are, no matter how young you are, no matter how educated you are, no matter how uneducated you are, no matter how talented you are, no matter how untalented you are, every single one of us is a mustard seed which God can plant in the ground and it can grow up and it can grow eight feet tall and it can put out branches and provide places of refuge and blessing to people who so desperately need it. In January 2011, I was sitting in this classroom in Oxford on a cold Friday morning when two gentlemen walked in, gentlemen that myself and the other students had never met before in our lives. One of them sat down next to me and he introduced himself as a Seattle area pastor named Mark. We chatted a little bit that day and and then the next day we bumped into one another again at a conference that we were both attending at my church, St. Aldate's in Oxford. And in that church where I really had a a crisis moment where I came back to Jesus, aged 18, in in that church where I first laid eyes on my wife and where I, I finally put a ring on her finger, right there in front of that stage, this pastor named Mark handed me a business card. Oh, I say he handed me a business card. He actually unbuttoned my top pocket and shoved it in and slapped me on the chest. (laughs) Americans and personal space. (laughs) And just over eight years ago, he said to me, Alice, when you're done with your studies, if you want a job, send me an email. I would love to have you come and work for me. Your pastor, Mark Toon, saw potential in a mustard seed. And it was a pretty dirty and tiny mustard seed. But he saw potential. And he took a risk. He made a decision. He acted in faith out of what he believed God could do. A few months later, my wife Rachel and I, we came out to the U.S., And we came to Gig Harbor, we came to Chapel Hill, and we fell in love with this place. And from that small beginning, eight years ago, I've been loved by this community. I've been spurred on by this community. I've been given room to make lots of mistakes by this community. I've been equipped and trained by this community. And I've been called and ordained as an associate pastor by this community. But without the vision of our pastor, without him being able to look at one mustard seed and see what could be, none of that would have happened. Can you see that sort of potential? Can you see the potential that there is in one human life to make an impact Upon the world around it. You may already know the next Charles Wesley who's going to change the face of church music. You may already know the next Billy Graham who's going to preach to more people than anyone else in human existence. You may already know the next Peggy Smith who's going to be used by God to bring about a revival movement through her prayers. You may already know these people. You may be one of these people. There is so much potential wrapped up in your life 
potential to be used by God. Can you see it? Can you see it? We want to be a church that sees that potential in others. We want to be a church that is willing to pour resources, time, money, energy, equipping, training into the lives of men and women who might not otherwise receive it. Men and women who who we see that potential and the potential to be used by God to create huge impact upon this world for the sake of the kingdom of God. We want to be a church that is known for investing in those small beginnings. Because when you invest a little in a small beginning and it results in a great ending, the return on that investment is astronomically larger than you ever could have imagined. That is why sending leaders is a part of Beyond These Walls. Because if we invest in that small beginning, it will have a huge impact, not just here, but all over the world in the many, many great endings that we will see in the lives of the men and women whom God has called. And we're doing it right now. We're doing it. You've seen some of those men and women today. You've heard already from from Julie Hawkins, our director of Next Steps. You've heard from Rachel White, our life group coordinator. You've heard from Ryan Palmer, our director of family ministries. Ghana Tezdal, you see him up here all the time, our director of worship. These four men and women are, are some of those men and women that we are investing in right now because we believe that the return on our investment in their lives for the kingdom of God will be huge. And these four men and women are firecrackers. Let me tell you, the impact that they are going to have over the course of their life and ministry is going to be unbelievable. We will not believe what God does through those four mustard seeds. But we believe God has called us to even more than that. We've done it up to this point without really trying, but we want to be even more intentional as we step forward into the future. We believe that God is calling us to become a sending church, a church that sends leader after leader after leader after leader into this nation, into this world to make an impact for the kingdom of God. Our goal is to raise up the next generation of leaders for the church. That is what we believe God has called us to. And that is why we are investing in this Beyond These Walls initiative, in the lives of men and women who are going to impact the world for the kingdom of God. With small beginnings come great endings. As I wrap up, I want to leave you with two questions. Two questions. First one is this. Will you believe that God can use you? Will you believe that God can use you? It's easy to look at someone like Ryan or Julie or Rachel and say, yeah, God, God can use them. I mean, they're young and talented and knowledgeable. And, but God can't use me. It's a lie. Every single one of us is a mustard seed that has potential packed inside us. It doesn't matter if you're old or if you're young. It doesn't matter your background. It doesn't matter your abilities. God can use you. So will you believe that God can do it? And if you believe, give yourself to him wholeheartedly and watch him wonder in amazement of what he's going to do with you. 
That's the first thing I want to ask. Will you believe that God can use you? And the second thing is, will you pray for revival to come through this next generation of leaders? We live in a nation which 20 years from now, without revival, the Christian landscape in this nation will look exactly like it does in Western Europe. The only thing that is going to change that is revival. We need a generation of leaders who are going to step up and lead this church forward, lead the church in the U.S. forward, and see revival come here in the United States. Will you pray, just like Peggy and Christine Smith, will you pray for revival and pray for it to come through this next generation of leaders? You know, we have four of them here in our church. We've got a little bookmark in your worship guide that you can pray for those four. We believe God is going to use them in powerful ways. Pray for God's revival to come through them. And we have many that we've already sent out all over the world. Pray that God would bring about revival through them. Will you believe that God can use you? And will you pray for revival to come through that next generation? We're going to finish by, by singing a song and, and, and having a time of, of giving. Our ushers are going to come forward in, in a moment. It's, it's because of your faithfulness and your generosity that, that we can talk about the things that we believe God has called us to, such as beyond these walls. It's because of your faithfulness and generosity that we can pour into the lives of, of men and women who we see potential in. People like Eric Anderson. People like the four seminarians that we have on our staff. It's because of your giving that we can do that. So thank you for your generosity. If you're going to give today, there's a number of ways to do it. There's uh, the plate and then there's two options up there on the screen. If you're new, we don't expect anything from you. We'd love one of those welcome cards in the plate. We'd love to connect with you, but we don't expect any money from you here this morning. But I want to give you an opportunity during this time, not only to give financially, but also to give yourself to God and say, God, my life is yours. Take the mustard seed that I am. Plant me. Help me grow. Help me reach the potential that you have for my life. Would you pray with me? Lord, I ask that this morning we would have faith to believe that you can do great things. Lord, I pray that you would help us to see the potential that there is in each and every single one of us. Lord, if you can take a a ragtag farmer's son who's more interested in in girls than he is in, in faith and use him to preach to half the world's population, God. If you can take three men in a Oxford student room and use them to change the cultural landscape of the West, you can take two elderly women stuck at home and and use them to bring about revival in a community. God, you can use us. We believe that you can use us. And we're going to give ourselves to you today. And we do ask, God, that you would bring about revival. We need your revival power, God. We need the movement of revival to spread. Lord, we long to see this country following Jesus. And it is by the power of your spirit alone that it will happen. So God, we ask that you would raise up that next generation of leaders who are going to lead us into that revival. Would you use the prayers, God, of those who are longing for it? 
to bring it about. And God, would you have your way? Would you have your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven? We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.